Welcome into the Talk of Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Joined, as always, by Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. The Talking Tide podcast available to you at Megaphone.com, which is our web host. You can also get it at Apple Podcasts and just about any podcasting app that you prefer. Also out there on Facebook and YouTube, streaming live on both of those sites now, recorded versions as well. The Talking Tide Twitter feed is talking underscore tide links to all our podcasts as soon as they drop right there on that Twitter feed. So be sure to follow us there as well. Quick thanks to our sponsors, North River Dental Associates, Peterbrook Chocolatier, and DraftKings. More on them a little bit later in the program. Travis, we dive in here on a midweek edition of Talking Tide previewing the Crimson Tide's final home game of the season against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Alabama comes into the game 9-1, and 5-1 and one in SEC play. Arkansas, good year for Sam Pittman, 7-3. and three. He's 3-3 three and three in the SEC. Started out like a house on fire in September and uh, has faded back a little bit since then, certainly. But overall, a good year for Arkansas. They'll be bowl-bound. Uh, game, of course, Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. It will be your mid-afternoon CBS kickoff at 2.30 p.m. local time in Tuscaloosa. What about this matchup, Travis? And and uh, I guess starting with, with Arkansas and, and what Sam Pittman's been able to do with this team. Yeah, it's been very impressive. And you talked about October maybe taking a little bit of a toll on this Arkansas team. They've got to an FCS opponent in Arkansas Pine Bluff there in late October, then had the bye week the same week that Alabama had its. And that really seemed to pay dividends for this team. They beat Mississippi State by three coming out of the bye week. They beat LSU by a field goal last Saturday night in Death Valley in overtime. So an opportunity, as you said, with seven wins, uh, even if it doesn't go their way on Saturday afternoon against Alabama, uh, you get Missouri and the regular season finale. You're looking at maybe eight and four in year two under Sam Pittman. I don't know many people that would have. Most people didn't think three wins last year in a 10-game season against all SEC competition was uh, doable for Sam Pittman. But to to be where the program is right now, it's just been a fantastic job. Quarterback K.J. Jefferson, a versatile guy, a guy that uh, can hurt you with his feet for sure. Had some big games this season. He's got Traylon Smith in the backfield, a pretty solid running back. And Traylon Burks, the wide receiver, really one of the best wide receivers in the Southeastern Conference. Defensively, as we know, Travis, they like to run some zone in the secondary over at Arkansas. They've been uh, pretty successful with that here and there. Certainly successful uh, most recently in knocking off LSU. Uh, the linebackers key for that group as well. Bumper pool, best name in the league. A uh, hundred tackles leading the way defensively for the Razorbacks. Yeah, and Bumper doesn't even start. I mean, you've got Grant Morgan. It seems like there's a Morgan every year, right? At Arkansas, sort of like the Allen brothers back in the day, but. You've got Grant Morgan, who's a team captain at one of those inside linebacker positions, and uh, also Hayden Henry, younger brother of Hunter, 
uh, is a starter at weak side linebacker. Now, what you see with bumper pool is, and what's a nice situation for Arkansas, they're able to basically rotate him in both at the mic and the will. So those guys are all veterans. They all understand both spots. They're interchangeable in Barry Odom's defense. And uh, three of the top 10 tacklers in the entire SEC right now are inside linebackers for Arkansas. Which I guess says a little bit about how they've played on third down too, right? I mean, if, if you're piling up that many tackles, you're having to play a lot of snaps. So there, that's two sides to that coin, I guess. Yeah, it is. You know, and their, their goal defensively is to get you to third down because their comfort zone is being able, as you alluded to there earlier, play that zone coverage, drop a lot of guys into coverage, and get off the field on third down. And we know Alabama has been just exceptional in that regard, been on par with the last year's offense, which you didn't anticipate with all the losses personnel wise for Alabama, but that will be a a key to sort of monitor on Saturday. If you're Alabama, ideally against that three man front, you're able to run the football effectively and, and kind of keep Arkansas out of that comfort zone. But if you're not third and long, isn't a good place to be against a Barry Odom defense. One area this Arkansas defense has struggled this season is with the pass rush. Really not a bell cow or a bell cow pass rusher on this Razorbacks defense. I believe they've got 18 sacks on the season, 10 games in. So that's 1.8 a game. That's 1.8 a game with the math where I went to school. Uh, you'd have to think that that to get any pressure at all on Bryce Young, they're they're going to have to dial up some blitzing. Yeah, and Odom's not a big pressure or five guys in the pass rush sort of coordinator. He, he doesn't like to bring a lot of pressure. They've really been helped with what pass rush they do have uh, by the transfer of Trey Williams from Missouri to Arkansas, the one defensive end. He has six sacks this year, but you're right, as a unit, not impressive numbers. And uh, again, not a team that likes to bring a lot of pressure, but we did see them do some of that last week against LSU. And with what Alabama's put on tape um, at times with its struggles in protecting against the blitz. Uh, yeah. If you're Barry Odom, you, you got to bring those inside linebackers. Some I would think. On the Alabama side of things, Travis, uh, a little bit of injury news, I suppose uh, a little bit more details we have now on running back Roy Dell Williams and wide receiver, JoJo Earl, both of them hurt last week against New Mexico State. The news sounds certainly positive for Earl, starting with him, the wide receiver. Travis looks like he'll uh, be out for a game or two and won't need surgery. Uh, Nick Saban was uh, very elusive and very indefinite about uh, indefinite about both Earl's injury and Roydell Williams post game after New Mexico State. Uh, the news on Williams. Not nearly as good. He's going to have some knee surgery. He's out presumably for the balance of the year. Uh, but it looks like Earl uh, will make his way back to the field. Yeah, that's the hope. And if it isn't the case in the next week or two, you know you can put Slade Bolden back there, feel pretty good about him in terms of ball security. And he actually had a pretty good return or two against New Mexico State. I think one of 24 yards uh, in that game. So 
those are two significant injuries, uh, especially when you talk about the running back depth and the opportunity that's there now for Trey Sanders as a third-year player who has been through the injury ringer in his own right each of the last two seasons. So one of the major storylines on Saturday afternoon is how much of the load will exactly Brian Robinson need to take on? Will Trey Sanders be able to sort of spell him in a way that we've grown accustomed to seeing from a number two back at Alabama. I know I'll be monitoring that a good bit. What have you seen in the limited time that Sanders has had at running back Travis in pass protection? We always talk yeah. about how important that is for the running backs at Alabama. And really, whether you're the one or the two, it, it goes a long way toward getting on the field is pass pro an area where you feel like Alabama can trust Sanders or has he simply just not played enough for anyone to know just yet? Yeah, I think it's an unknown and not just in terms of willingness or ability, but again, with the injury history that he's had, especially the injuries he sustained in the car accident a year ago, um, you know, is, is he up to it from a collision perspective? to go along with the hits you're going to take with the ball in your hand. So uh, I think as a receiver, you can go back to even his time at IMG at the high school level and did some really good things catching the football. So I don't have any real question about that, but I think that's going to go back to the point I just made in terms of workload for Brian Robinson, more than anything else, it's going to have to do with off the ball stuff and whether or not Robinson uh, or, or Sanders is capable of of doing exactly what they need in that area, which is a largely pass pro. Going to be very interesting, as you said, to see how much and, and how soon Sanders gets in there. Probably a good sign, I think, for Sanders if we see him get into the game, maybe third series, yep. maybe fourth series. Uh, if, if Robinson plays the entire first half, that might be a little bit of a signal that the coaching staff is is kind of wait and see on Sanders. If he gets in there early, I think that tends to signify trust. Yeah, I think you hit on it. That sweet spot, right, for that number two back, it seems like traditionally in the Nick Saban era, it's been about that third or fourth series. You'll see that number two back roll in there. So uh, I think we'll know pretty much where they're at in terms of trust and uh, where Trey is at. Uh, and in terms of reliability uh, when we get late first quarter, early second. Offensive line, another topic this week for the Crimson Tide. Nick Saban commenting uh, just a couple hours ago before we got going on this podcast, Travis, about right tackle Damian George, who we've seen in action a little bit of late. Sounds impressed by him. And really, if you kind of read between the lines, it sounds as though George is in position to take over that right tackle position and thereby create a competition at center between Dalcourt and Owens here down the stretch. Yeah, when he went to the reps card on Chris Owens in terms of right tackle, that made you think, wow, Damian George probably is in a good spot in terms of making his second start in a row this week and you're right the focus shifts to center he was also asked about Damian Dahlcourt and said that he had practiced throughout the week but didn't go any further than that so 
I would think like you that Damian George would look to be in pretty good position to be that guy. So uh, you'll still be looking there in the pregame on Saturday afternoon, obviously, but you're going to be looking at center too. If in fact, Dahlcourt is able to go. The spread for this game, we'll jump into uh, the Vegas man, right? As we usually do in the midweek podcast, Travis Alabama favored in this one by 21 and a hook against the Razorbacks. You're over under 58. Uh, what are you thinking about those two numbers? Um, gosh, after hearing from Nick Saban post-practice Wednesday, I don't know if I like Alabama <laughs> 21 and a half. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, apparently not the best of work on Wednesday. You had a press conference for Nick Saban that didn't go five minutes by my count. Um, he touched on immediately the need to being wi- be uh, willing to prepare at eye level. Uh, he was asked specifically about intensity and in practice this week. He said Tuesday was okay. He said Wednesday was a case of the poor me's for a lot of guys. So, you know, who knows, though? I'm sure it's happened in the past. I've heard that the week of Texas A&M was awful in terms of practice. Uh, so when you hear things like you hear from Nick Saban following uh, this most recent practice, it sort of catches your attention. But, uh, you know, still another practice to go really on Thursday, walk through on Friday. Um, you know, I think Alabama wins the game by a couple, three scores, but – Again, I, I'm not sure I'd I'd be ready to go, uh, you know, run down and and put everything I got on the minus 21 and a half. Tell you, if the practice week against A&M was no good, they certainly got their wake up call about having a good practice in that game. You you would think, but Nick kind of sounds like he did earlier in the season. It's this sort of constant battle. It seems like to get full and total engagement. Yeah from the entire roster. And even in the game against New Mexico state, you know, guys who you don't see play much, they finally got an opportunity to play extended snaps. And some of the body language on those guys, when they got to play was bad. Right. So you can only imagine what it's like during the practice week at times. Um, It's just, it feels like it's just been a struggle for Nick Saban throughout this season. And look, you know, when you talk about true leaders that you feel pretty comfortable in identifying for this 2021 team, they're both sophomores, as we talked about. You want to you want to pencil in two slam dunk permanent captains for this team? Bryce Young, Will Anderson, both yep. second year guys. It's kind of where it's at with this team, it seems like. Speaks for itself, doesn't it? It seems to. Yeah, no question about it. The ticket man, touching on him really quick as well. Uh, these tickets are dropping like a stone in value, Travis. I'm going to tell you, a week ago, uh, the cheapest Alabama-Arkansas ticket, I'm talking Upper Deckers, uh, it was going around $80, $85, maybe $100, even for the Upper Deck, which surprised me when I saw that uh, because that that's more than people paid for, for LSU, right? Uh, however... Uh, the market had what they call, Travis, a self-correction. Correction. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now uh, you can get into that upper deck at Bryant-Denny for about $40. And if you want to sit in that lower bowl between the 40s, uh, you're only looking at maybe 125 150 bucks. Yeah. You know, it is the week before Thanksgiving. You're going to have folks uh, doing some things, even traveling this weekend. 
And it's also Arkansas, and I don't mean that in a way in which it's not a quality opponent because this time around it obviously is, but still a trip, still a haul for that fan base to make. And especially when you consider the last time, when's the last time Arkansas won in Tuscaloosa? Was it was it 2004? Maybe? I don't Jeez. know. Um, or two th- it wasn't it wasn't 2005. It I wasn't 2007. I maybe 2003. Um They should have won in 07, but it got stolen from them. I mean, if you're an Arkansas fan, this isn't a trip you're you're looking no. to make. No. No, you're right about that, Travis, for sure. Uh Alabama basketball, we will turn to that here for a few moments as we move on in the podcast. The Crimson Tide, Travis, moved to 3-0 and this week. They pick up a, a fairly narrow victory over South Alabama. The final score there, 73-68. to Alabama kind of asleep at the wheel for the first half, and then they ripped out a big run in the second half that kind of put this thing away. Uh, ranked 14th in the country as of uh, this recording, three and zero on the season. Jaden Shackelford, 18 and 10. You don't see double-digit rebounds for Shackelford very often, but he sure enough did it against USA. Keon Ellis, 18 points as well, and and my man Charles Bediaco, five count them five blocked shots around that. Yeah, rim. your guy, the footer, yeah, Charles Bediaco. Yeah, turnovers, right? More of an issue for Alabama in this one than in either of the first two games. In fact, only eight turnovers uh, in game two against South Dakota State. 22 in the win over South Alabama. Didn't shoot it particularly well from three. Just seven of 27 free throws. eh, 12 of 19. Not great in that regard. But it wasn't Alabama's best. And we talked about it a little bit last week. This is a South Alabama team that you know, played Wichita State to within six on the road last weekend. So I was impressed with South Alabama. They've added some SEC flavor via the transfer portal and made a nice, uh, provided a nice uh, acquittal of themselves and uh, in a in a five point loss. Yeah, the Manning kid, I think, who transferred in from LSU had a game high twenty three mm-hmm. uh, for the Javon Jaguars. Franklin. Solid in the post, you know, um, 11 points, 11 rebounds. So, you know, it was good for Alabama, I think, in a lot of ways. Didn't have their best, have to overcome some adversity. Didn't have Jawan Gary coming off the bench to give them the sort of lift that he gives them in terms of energy and also and as far as production is concerned. But, yeah, Shackelford with a big game and – you know, Keon Ellis, that's the rock, obviously, of this team right now. He's going to give you 18 on a pretty consistent basis. He did that against South Alabama. So you move on to an Oakland team on Friday night. Uh, just beat Oklahoma State on the road uh, last weekend. And Wednesday night, as we record this, hammered a MAC program in Toledo by 21. So It'll be a legit challenge uh, with the Golden Grizzlies of Oakland coming to town Friday night. Nate Oates gets teed up in this one as well. I thought it was pretty humorous, Travis. He's asked about that after the win over South Alabama. He says, well, it wasn't so much what I said, but where I was standing when I said it. (laughs) (laughs) Not supposed to be out of that coach's box. No, no. It's always fun to hear the, (laughs) the technical stories. The late Jim Balbano. 
uh, told the story one time. He got a technical for telling a referee what he was thinking. And he asked the referee that. He said, can you give me a technical for what I'm thinking right now? And the ref said, well, no. He said, well, I think you suck. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. You got to love it. Yeah. You got to love it. Yeah. I can't, I, you know, I, I'm just going to have to throw this out anonymously because I can't remember the coach that, that said it. But years, years ago, there was, there was a classic game where uh coach got screwed with the officiating, was really furious about it. Big topic post game goes into that post game presser. And, and he says, uh, you know, I, I can't say anything about the officiating because I don't want to get fined. But the guy in the front row said they sucked. <laughs> <laughs> the guy in the front row just—I'm going to tell you what he said. Yeah, that's 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 a good move too. Love it. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network, and I thank a couple of sponsors here, as we always do at this point in the program. We're going to start by telling you about. North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, great staff of professional dental hygienists over there. They could take care of every kind of dental need you might have, conveniently located off of Watermelon Road at 1100 Fairfax Park. They do the cosmetic dentistry, the porcelain veneers, laser dentistry, pediatric dentistry for the kids, endodontics, you name it. They'll take care of you over at North River Dental. They're going to get you in and out of that chair on a routine cleaning, typically in less than an hour. And it's door to door going less than an hour. So uh, the waiting room wait is practically nothing because they don't jam up the appointments like a lot of these health care professionals will. Uh, I've never sat in that waiting room with more than one other person ever uh, going over to North River. And uh, I love it that way. Great experience always. At North River Dental Associates, the phone number is 752-3506 if you'd like to make an appointment or visit NorthRiverDentist.com. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier, also in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. So many great chocolate treats from which you can choose there at Peterbrook. Certainly the chocolate-covered, hand-dipped strawberries are always a good call, especially if you're looking for some doghouse prevention maybe you need to get out of the doghouse still got those alabama and roll tide themed treats and as we told you on the previous edition of talking tide with arkansas coming to town this saturday the chocolate dipped bacon is ready for you in honor of this week's opponent the chocolate dipped bacon they've got it for you right now trust me it is sort of this confluence of sweet and savory and some salt. It just all makes sense. It's great, great stuff. And it's especially well-timed with the Razorbacks, with the hogs in town. Check it out at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. What a pairing of sponsors too, by the way, you get, you get too, you get a little too much yeah. of that Peterbrook chocolate. They just take, just taking care of over there at North river dental. So. Yeah. And North river <laughs> is, it's like North river dental is like flying first class versus the cattle car. Like you said, you go in and you're kind of surprised when you walk in, because a lot of times when you go in, you'll be the only person in the, in the waiting area. And then you're straight to the back and you're in and out. Whereas a lot of places you go in and it's 
it's uh grand central in there so can't magazine say that enough. in every hand yeah can't say that enough about north river dental all right finally going to tell you about our corporate sponsor and that would be DraftKings. football fans who's ready to score some free bets now when you bet on any nfl game this week with the DraftKings sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the nfl hey new customers who bet just one dollar on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. If the Sportsbook app isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for big cash prizes all season long with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network. Bet $1 on either team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. You can't beat that this week at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. And, Travis, we jump now to a quick look around SEC football action this week. And, frankly, it's a dud of a a schedule. Uh, You got Vanderbilt at Ole Miss. You got Auburn at South Carolina, Florida at Missouri. Those are the three games I think that probably jump out the most other than the one we've been talking about the entire podcast. I guess what draws my eye, if anything, on this slate, Travis, is the potential furtherance of the Gator train wreck at Missouri, right? Yeah, you know, and look, Missouri rubbernecking. Where people Missouri, are gonna be rubbernecking that Missouri game. just beat the team that thunderfunked the Gators a couple yeah. of Saturdays ago. So I think Florida fans at the end of October were looking at that November schedule and thinking, Wow, South Carolina, Sanford, Missouri on the road, a chance to get well. I don't think they're thinking about that, uh, especially with Missouri trying to reach bowl eligibility. And has Arkansas up next after the Gators for Missouri. This might be it because Arkansas, you would think is going to be the better team in that uh, matchup. So yeah, just Florida. It's just, it's just been an amazing spiraling here at five and five and, you know, needing 70 to beat an FCS opponent last week. I think I may pick Missouri, Travis. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to withhold, yeah. I guess l- later in the week uh, on Crimson Cover Television, I'll have to come with a pick. Uh, won't be able to put it off anymore at that point. But more than likely, I'm I'm going to go with the Tigers at home there. Well, in a game like that, you look at the team with the player you would be willing to put your money on. And in that game right now, it's Tyler Beatty, the running back for Missouri. He has been flat-out tremendous. He's the lone Do- Doak Walker Award semi-finalist from the Southeastern Conference. That goes to the nation's top running back on an annual basis. So, you know, that's kind of the the neighborhood he's living in right now and so well-deserved because everybody they play knows it's coming with Tyler Beatty, and he continues to put up just big, big numbers. Auburn at South Carolina. Thoughts there, Travis? Uh, do the Gamecocks give them all they want at home, or, or do you see Auburn going in there and – and taking care of business pretty quickly. Well, South Carolina sort of in desperation mode here, too, in the final two Saturdays to get the bowl eligibility. I sort of felt like they would take care of that last week out in Columbia, Missouri. They did not do that. And so now you get an Auburn team with no Bo Nix, TJ Finley. He does have a nice visual of South Carolina. He lit them up 
last year while he was uh, quarterbacking LSU. So that's an intriguing storyline going into this one. Um, I, I don't, I just don't trust South Carolina enough yet, but playing at home and after what they did to Florida a couple Saturdays ago, uh, I guess I won't be surprised. More likely to win on Saturday at home, Travis, Missouri or South Carolina? Oh, gosh. I'll still probably go with Missouri, you know, yeah. just because of where Florida's at. Right. Uh, or isn't. Um, and at least Missouri, Missouri's got some questions at quarterback, you know, this week, too, in terms of who's it going to be behind center. But again, I just feel more comfortable in knowing at least Tyler Beatty's around. And Missouri's defense has been better of late in terms of dealing with the run. All right. I'm not sure. And you know, maybe it'll be a different story with Finley in there as opposed to Nick's. I'm not sure Harson's leaned on Tank Bigsby as much as he should have, or certainly not as much as I would have if I was blowing that whistle down on the plains this year. Uh, maybe he does so on the road with 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 Finley making uh, his first start. We shall see. Uh, but I'm I want to go ahead and pick Auburn there, and like I said, probably go with uh, Missouri against the Gators. That will do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Thanks to our listeners, as always, for tuning in, and be sure to do so again this weekend when Travis and I take a look back at Alabama's final home game at Bryant-Denny Stadium against the Arkansas Razorbacks. So for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, and we will talk to you in a few days here on Talking Tide.